Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm here to talk about all the comics and publishers of the week. Once again, I am on my own. Josue is still on hiatus. Uh, I will give you guys an update as soon as I have one. Uh, But we are going to talk about the comics of the week. Expect this to be a bit of a short episode because I don't have a ton of news. Uh, But I do have a couple things we'll talk about, and then we'll get straight into the comic book reviews. First of all, I uh, just want to reiterate, as long as the SAG, SAG strike is going on, we will not be talking about TV, movies, anything to do, anything struck, we will not be talking about. And which is a shame because I watched several things this week and I really want to talk about them with you, but I'm not going to. Uh, so let's get this strike settled and then I can talk to you about it. But with that said, there's a couple bits of news that I really wanted to talk about stuff that really got me excited. And the very first thing about that is... The graphic novel for Good Omens was re- was released in the Kickstarter, and it made it's already made an obscene amount of money. Uh, it has been out for three days and has seventeen thousand backers for a total of one point one three eight million dollars. Uh, the goal was the goal was thirty one thousand. Um, yeah, they made it. <laughs> I'm one of those people, and I'm thinking about boosting my my uh, amount because some of the add-ons are really really cool but um, i recommend grabbing this as quickly as you can it is adapted by colleen duran who does a lot of the neil gaiman uh, adaptations and yeah i'm very very excited for this uh and i wish i could talk more about good omens hint hint but i cannot so we're going to go ahead and move on to the other bits of news all i have is two bits of marvel news um first of all we got a new doctor strange book uh called doctor strange dimension war from james lovegrove and this is a novel that's going to retell kind of Doctor Strange's origin. I, I think that's kind of a cool idea. I like that they're starting to do these novels again. I used to really, really like reading novels based on uh, Marvel characters. Uh, I thought they were really cool. I remember there were two for Generation X that I really, really liked when I was younger. And uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Um, so that's really cool. And the only other thing I got is that Captain America will, will be returning as Cap Wolf this fall. Um, and the new Cap Wolf and the Commandos in October. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited about this. Uh, Cap Wolf is hilarious. For those who don't know, Cap Wolf is basically what if Captain America was a werewolf? And it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, it's going to be written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Carlos Magno. So already I'm in. That's just a great idea. So, But that's it. That's all I really got for news. There's not a lot of t- ton of news coming out right now. I think we're still in that Comic-Con lull. Uh, so what we'll do from here is we will go ahead and start talking about our comics. And as always, we don't start with a bang. We start with a boom. A boom Studios is our first publisher. And I'm going to talk about a number one. Buffy, the last vampire slayer. Now, I was a pretty big Buffy and Angel fan. More Angel fan. And by Angel, I mean the show, not the character. Um, but And I used to read the comics quite a bit, but I kind of fell off after a while. And I've been wanting to get back into it. I read that last run of Angel by Christopher Cantwell. And I did like it. I thought it was really great. But I also felt a bit lost. I felt like I didn't know what was going on. Um, But I had the opportunity to jump in here. And I'm really glad I did. Because this is a great book. Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer. Um, Written by Casey Gilley. Illustrated by Oriel Rugg. Colored by Gloria Martinelli. And lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, This is set in the future. And... It is, there is one Slayer left, and she's the daughter of Willow and Tara. And I already like that. That's a great idea. Um, there's there's a sense of, like, 
it's still a lot of fun because one of the things that some of the later Buffy adaptations can do is it can kind of feel grim. It kind of loses that sense of humor. Um, I still like that this is fun, but it's definitely got some 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 darkness to it. Um, and this character, her watchers are Spike and Buffy. And it's really interesting because it seems like they're still together and Buffy's aged and Spike is not. And I just think that's really sweet. I've always been a Spike supporter. I know he's a prick, but I don't care. Um, but yeah, I just, it's really good. I really like this. I, I know, um, my buddy Amanda, my co-host over on Jukebox Vertigo is a big Buffy fan. So I'm probably going to have her read this because I think she'll be really interested in it, but definitely worth it, worth a pickup. If you are interested, Buffy, the last vampire slayer, number one. After that is once upon a time at the end of the world, number eight. Oh man. Speaking of dread, <laughs> written by Jason Aaron, illustrated by Leila DeLuca, or DeLuca, colored by Tom Bond Villain, lettered by Anworld Design, with a brief illustration by Alexander Tafengi and Lee Luffridge from the previous arc. So, our heroes have this seeming paradise that's just all about loving and respecting each other, and it all just seems a little too good, doesn't it? <laughs> the last issue, we got kind of a hint that it was going to go to hell, and yeah, we kind of get a little bit more. I like the little bit of drip feeding we're getting of the getting of the story. Like it doesn't all happen in one issue. And there's just there's a lot of really ominous moments that they're talking about in the history of this civilization. And just the way they're worded, you're like, oh, like the first funeral. And you're like, oh God, like just how many are there going to be? And um then the one that will make sense until you read the book, which is the first of the misted. And yeah, again, the first. And with all these personal problems coming to play, it's really good and it's really sad because it's like a, an amazing, like, idyllic society, but it can't last. Nothing like this lasts. So it was inevitable, but it's definitely sad that it happened. But I, I love this book. It's been fantastic. Um, definitely something everybody should be reading. It's one of those premier boom books, just like we used to get all the time. Um, like your once and futures and such. This is just up there with any of them. I really, really like it. Speaking of premier boom books, our final boom book of the week is Grim 12. Oh, man. Okay. Written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Flaviano, colored by Rico Renzi, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. Uh, I got a variant cover. I got two covers for this one because I had to. And um, I'm glad I did because it's really great. Uh, this is such a good issue. And it is building up all these characters. Um, I keep hyper-focusing on the embodiment of life because I guess it's the writer in me. I love that this is probably the first time I can think of where somebody embodied life as a character instead of just death. And I'm just fascinated and endlessly amused by that. It's such a great idea. Um, but there's so much going on here. And there's so many different parts in this struggle. And it just, it really, like, it blurs the lines it makes you not sure what exactly is the right thing to do whose side she should she should be on is there a right side you know are you choosing the lesser of evils like i really really like this book i think it's really really well written um obviously i'm a big fan of stephanie phillips um but yeah i i just think it's it's really great uh, everybody should be reading this um yeah i highly recommend it that's all i can really say about it so Next up, our next publisher is Titan Comics, and I'm going to talk about Conan the Barbarian, number one. Yes, that's right, that Conan. 
Um, Marvel recently lost the license, or Titan picked it up, and I'm very glad they did, and I'll talk about it in a moment why, but let's talk about the creative team. Written by Jim Zub, art by Rob De La Torre, colors by Jose Villarubia, and letter by Richard Starkings. Um, this is very much a throwback to classic Conan. Uh, the Even the art style has that that almost like European um, fantasy art. It's very scratched and like it, it's it's the kind of thing I would pick up in a in a comic in a language I've never I could never understood but totally get. It's that classic barbarian art. It's that classic barbarian like. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is for it. It's just like there's an, there's a certain imagery and I just love it. I love the, um, the character designs. I love the characterizations in general. I think that's really interesting. Um, like every good Conan story, it has a badass woman in it. Um, and just amazing action scenes, of course. I mean, that's the core of a Conan book. I really like this. I was really excited when Titan got the rights to this book. Because I figured, you know, Titan's going to do it right. And they are. They're really doing a great job. Um, so I highly recommend picking this up. And I also recommend when the second book comes out, which is Savage Sword of Conan, I believe, you pick that up as well. But this is already great. I'm, I'm, it's such a great homage to Robert E. Howard and what he started. And I think that's a great direction to go. I did love the Marvel run. I'm not going to lie. But I can love both of these. And they're two completely different things. And that's not a contradiction. So... Uh, I recommend it. It's great. Which takes me to Dynamite Comics. And Dynamite has one book for me this week, which is Gargoyles number eight. Uh, (laughs) I love this book. Uh, Gargoyles has been so much fun. And I I just, I really think everybody should be reading it. It's just really, really great. I got a variant cover. You'll see the photo on Twitter. I'm not saying X, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. It's not going to happen. So, um, written by Greg Weissman, illustrated by George Combadeus, lettered by Jeff Eckleberry. Um, this one is told from the perspective of Cold Fire. So, I do like that each issue is kind of being from different people's perspectives. Uh, the thing is that this issue really is a Goliath story, though. Uh, and I think it's so well done, and I love the, I love the good guy, improperly imprisoned, but letting the system work story. I've always liked that as an arc, and I think they're doing really well, good job with it here. Um, so really good stuff. Yeah, it's gargoyles, man. Just enjoy all the gargoyles because they're getting a renaissance right now. We need to enjoy as much of it as we can because. It's fantastic. Introduce your children to Gargoyles. Go back and watch the cartoon. I promise it holds up. And after that is Dark Horse Comics. Uh, So Dark Horse has one book for me this week. I actually was not able to find a physical copy of this. It was sold out. So I had to order it digitally. Uh, I will be picking up a digital or physical copy when I get home because I'm still on vacation. Um, Once I get home, I should have a copy in my box and I'll pick it up then. But that is the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos 2, which I somehow called the mildly pedestrian life last week or last issue, which is stupid. Um, But I really like this because they're building on the world and um, we're starting to see like, like where we're going to go with this. We're introduced to a new character who is related to our missing character from the previous episode or issue. And we're starting to see like a pattern of like things we might be seeing 
and throughout this entire thing, you know, we have Christopher and his attempts to bring back the dead. And it's just, it's just really interesting playing into all these monster tropes. And I, I really like it. It's, it's almost like, like a teenage version of the universal monster, you know, universe thing we were supposed to get that I was not optimistic about. It did not sound good, but this is really good. This comic is great. Um, and Christopher's characterization is really, really good too. I really liked it. Uh, so make sure to definitely check this one out. It's absolutely great. Oh, I didn't do the creative team for it. Uh, it's James Tyne in the fourth, Tate Bromble, Isaac Goodhart, Mikhail Muerto, and Aditya Bittacar. Which takes me to Image Comics. Uh, Image is uh, a small week of Image this week. Very small. But we will definitely talk about them. Uh, the good news is, is even though it's a small week, I have two number ones. So let's start with quest number one. Story, script, assist, illustrations, lettering, design by Jonathan Luna. With story, assist, and script by Crystal Wood. Um, this is a really cool... Um, fantasy story uh, about this young couple who get married they're they're well off and um there is basically he's abducted and uh, she wants to go after him their families were basically like you can't go out there you know you're a princess basically and she basically is determined to do it uh, i love jonathan luna's style um we were really big fans of his his recent one shot that was really really good and um yeah so this one is it is very similar in that it's it's like that fantasy tone but a fantasy like a grounded fantasy it's still fantasy but it's definitely set you know something similar to our world uh, i really loved it i love the art i love every, the way everything's laid out some of the violence is really over the top and great um just so well done and i will say that the final image which spoiler alert is her someone helping her sneak out of the the palace to go rescue him that final page is a great page i love the art there if that if that was the first image you saw of this book and anyone would pick this book up so uh definitely it's going to be a one to keep an eye on i really like quest already so i'm definitely going to be picking it up from here and my other number one is the sacrificers number one uh, now Josue is usually the one who picks up rick remender books uh, because uh, he, he just loves Remender. Um, I do sometimes, but I'm not like I'm not committed to Rick Remender like he is. Um, so I picked this one up, and I really like it. It's very twisted, and it's 100% a Hellsway book I'm going to recommend for him. Uh, written by Rick Remender, art by Max Fumara, color by Dave McKay, and letter by Russ Wooten. This is set in another world, a fantasy world. Um, funny, because I just spoke about Quest, where it's like a grounded fantasy. This is very different because you have these people that are that are anthropomorphic animals and it it's just so awesome and stylized the artist is obviously the perfect person to draw this and i think that's what one of the things that really helps this story and it's this grim tale almost like fairy tale levels of weird grimness of saving the people from this system that they're caught in and I really like it. I really enjoyed that. There is a second part um, that is more about the upper crust that I won't get into too much because I think I'm going to get more about that in the next issue. But this is really, really great. I really enjoyed this book. It's very stylistic and it's very beautiful. 
Um, and I, the one thing I will say is Rick Remender does give a shout out to David Lynch, the, the filmmaker in his letter. And it makes sense to me. Uh, it, it definitely makes sense. If you're a David Lynch fan, this is probably a story that you probably really dig. So, um, yeah. So the sacrificers, number one, another great number one from image this week. And my final image book of the week is a finale. That's right. Two number ones and a finale. This one is black cloak. Number six. Anyone who knows me knows that this book is one of my favorites. So that's why it's my book of the week. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson, Art and Colors by Meredith McLaren, Letters by Becca Carey. We wrap up the story. And I just I just want to rant a little bit about this book and how great it is and how not enough people are reading it. This is one of the coolest like fantasy tales I've heard in a long time. Um, it's a unique world. Meredith McLaren's art is so perfect to make it unique and not look like anybody else, but it's still recognizable. It's not a completely out there story or anything like that. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to hit up Meredith when I say this, but Meredith's art, she has a way of conveying emotion through facial expressions and art that I just don't see from anybody else. And I just love it. It's just a really well-told story. And this is a huge issue. It's gigantic. And it's so good. We wrap up the murder mystery and it's a very satisfying conclusion. And I was, as I finished it, I was like, well, that's it. What a great book. I'll never see it again. And then I read Kelly's um, note in the back, which is that, yes, they've been renewed for a second volume, which is the best news I've heard all year. Uh, So, Please, 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 I'm begging you, pick up the trade for this book when it comes out. It's coming out on September 13th. Pick it up, buy the back issues, make your friends read it, make them buy it. Everybody read this book. And when volume two comes out, I want you to read that one too, because I want this story to continue. This is one of my favorite, most unique, most original stories in comics. And the fact that I see nobody talking about it is the biggest heartbreak I can think of. So please, 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 please read Black Cloak. And with that, let's talk about the big two, starting with DC Comics. Uh, City Boy, number three. Uh, I've really been enjoying City Boy. I I think it's really great. Uh, I'm a big fan of Greg Pak, who writes it. So Greg Pak's writer, um, art by Minkyu Jung, colors by Sonny Go, and letter by Wes Abbott. Um, this one is really cool. I, I'm starting to get like um, a feel of maybe we're going to be doing a tour of the cities in DC uh, with City Boy. I thought it was going to be centralized mostly just on uh, Metropolis, but um, it does kind of tease at the end of this that maybe they're going to Bloodhaven next. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, it. It is about his past. It's about him coming to grips with what Metropolis means to him and the things that he associates with Metropolis and it's about him controlling his powers. He's incredibly powerful and he has to learn to control that. And I, I really like it. I, I love city boy as a character. It's a unique story. It's our unique power. Um, it's not something I've ever really seen outside of like D and D homebrew. You know what I mean? Like, like an urban ranger who can control the city itself or something like that. But other than that, I, I just think it's great. I, I love the character. I think he's fun. Um, his interactions with Superman in this are really great too. So everybody should be reading City Boy. Like just just part of the AAPI 
Trinity that came out that month. Um, this is really, really great. You should be reading it. So definitely check it out. Okay, next up is Adventures of Superman John Kent number six. Uh, so this wraps up the Injustice saga with him on the Injustice Earth, written by Tom Taylor, art by Clayton Henry, colors by Jordi Belair, and letter by Wes Abbott. Um, so it wraps up the story. Now, I'm, I'm going to be clear. I'm not a big fan of Injustice. I I don't like when DC gets grim. I don't like DC'st. I wasn't a big fan of Flashpoint. I just don't. It's not what I'm looking for from these characters. So I want to be clear. I'm, I'm coming from that point of view when I talk about this. Uh, I liked this story. Um, I didn't want John's first arc to be an injustice because it seemed odd to me. But I also understand that things are, you got to look at things in a bigger picture. And I didn't want to overreact at first because, and we'll be talking about overreacting to the story in a moment, but I didn't want to overreact at first because I was like, you know, this has got to be meaning something. There's got to be a reason they're doing it. Tom is smart enough. He's He's got to have a reason, something he's setting up. And I really liked this. I thought this was a really interesting story. Yes, I do think there was a bit of contrivance at the end to prevent an actual confrontation. Um, I definitely think the whole point of the story is to show the difference between John and this alternate Superman to show that the links John will go to, to not make it a fight. Um, especially when the person he's fighting has his father's face. Uh, but I definitely think John, if he, again, I think the whole point of the book was that John was seeking justice. He, he said, you know, you're my father. You need to do better. You, but he, he does flat out tell him you were not Superman because Superman would not do this. And he said, you need, you need to face justice for what you've done. Like he was trying to get this handled in a peaceful manner and not just simply punch the guy because that's the most convenient way to do it. Um, like some people online would like you want you to believe. And yes, then there's a deus ex machina who gets that gets rid of him. And no, that's not the most satisfying ending, but there's reasons for everything that happens. And again, as somebody who does not work for DC, as someone who does not know what direction stories are going to going towards what John Kent's facing next, what they're going to do next with the injustice license. I'm not going to presume to know this was a bad decision because this is probably a right decision for a direction they were going. And we just don't know yet. So I, I, I if I sound annoyed, I am sorry, but I'm just really sick of these hot takes online that specifically call out creative people that I really appreciate that have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, who take two panels out of context and decide that something is bad, decide that something was done incorrectly. People who who d- don't even realize when the creator is talking about a different arc, but decide that they dunked on him and everybody's like, oh, congratulations, you showed him. It's obvious you just have a vendetta against this guy. Okay, you're, you're obviously not reviewing this in good faith. Um, so anyone who reviews something in good faith, I will always give a chance. I'll always speak to I'll always more than happy to debate with you. But in the instance where it's, it's literally just a vendetta, I have no interest in what you're talking about. Um, I thought this was fine. Wasn't my favorite John Kent arc ever. No, but it's fine. He's going back home now. Let's see what happens next. Keep reading. That's the way comics work. If you take any issue in its own on its on its own, then, yeah, you're going to find things that you're not going to like. 
And I, I don't know what to tell you. You can't do that in a serialized comic. It's, it's, it's foolhardy to do that. So I'm going to get off my soapbox because yeah, that's going to get boring, but I just, if you are not enjoying it, don't read it (laughs) and please stop telling me on Twitter because I don't care. (laughs) Next up, uh, Sandman universe special Thessaly. Uh, I really like this book. I'm a big Thessaly fan. Um, she's probably my favorite Sandman character if I had to pick one, because uh, she's just a badass. But written by excuse me, written by James Tyne the Fourth, art by Maria Lovett, colored by or lettered by Simon Bolin, text page designed by Anne World Design. I actually really like this one quite a bit. Um, it does involve Thessaly interacting with a young woman in the. Uh, in the film industry. And uh, it's very interesting to see right now with everything going on in Hollywood to see this young woman who is very dissatisfied with her job and what she has to do. It's just like an interesting reflection. Not that it has anything to do with the same things. It was just a very interesting read. Um, We also get an appearance by uh, a very familiar uh, face, another former lover of dreams, which I thought was great. Um, uh, just overall great. And uh, honestly, anything Maria Lovett draws, I'm going to buy because it's just always incredible. Uh, very underrated Eros and Psyche, by the way, in case anyone out there hasn't read it. It's totally wonderful. Make sure to pick that up. But yeah, I do like that we're setting up something big in this Sandman universe and something is going on in LA and it tied in the Dead Boys Detective and everything. So we'll see. And now we're going to talk about Night Terrors for a bit. Night Terrors, Batman, number two. Um, this one is and written by Joshua Williamson, art by Guy and March, colors by Tommy Mori, and letter by Troy Pateri. I love Guy and March, so this is a wonderful story anyway, already for me. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It's, it's Bruce, you know, fighting his way through his worst nightmares, and they make the point. <laughs> I have this thing where I don't like Bruce's, like, overprepared where it sounds ludicrous when he says things and it's kind of in this one he's like well i've always been able to manifest myself in my dreams before and stop myself in nightmares like oh come on bruce jesus christ but it's fine it is what it is uh he's not able to because dead man's controlling his body so he has to you know actually travel through his nightmares and such and i think the i think the conclusion of it is really interesting i like it i love when you take batman and you make it an emotional journey. You make it a triumphant journey. You make it about caring about others. And I think that's what we accomplished here. And short version, because I'm not going to completely spoil, but old Bruce meets with young Bruce and basically tells him what he has to look forward to. And I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it's a very good summation of the Batman story in Night Terrors knowing that he's going to be in the main book from this point forward, obviously. So, um, yeah, pretty good. I really enjoyed it. And next is Night Terror's Black Adam 2. Written and illustrated by Jeremy Hahn, colors by Nick Filardi and Rex Locus, and letter by Troy Pateri. Uh, I, I like this one quite a bit, too, as well. I'm a big Black Adam fan, going back to like the 52, the original 52 run. Um, that was such a really cool, compelling story. Um, and this one, I again, one of the things I love is Black Adam's stubbornness, his pigheadedness, and his his you know like desire to face everything with 
with overwhelming strength and domination and that gets him in trouble. And that's one of the things that makes him a cool and compelling characters because he's not perfect like that. No matter how powerful he is, he just, you know, hits the thing. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. This is obviously this one's obviously one that's going to be continuing in Night's End. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. We'll see where it goes from here. And now my surprise DC book of the week. And anyone who knows me knows this is going to be a very interesting thing for me to talk about. Night Terrors, the Joker number two. Um, so I, everyone knows I hate the Joker. It's just my number one thing. I just hate the Joker. I think he's the worst comic book character ever. Uh, written, this one is written by Matthew Rosenberg. Art by Stefano Raffaelli. Colored by Romeo Lovato Jr. And letter by Tom Napolitano. Now here's the thing. I love this book. <laughs> um, and the last issue, I reviewed it, and I was like, I don't like the Joker, but this was good, and I like Matthew Rosenberg, so yeah. Great stuff. You know, I said something like, it was one of my favorite Joker stories in a while. That's cool. I loved this. This this is a killer two-part arc that really took a lot of what I hate about the Joker and put it on its head. Um, I love the fact that it avoided some major cliches that would have really annoyed me. And I should have seen it come. And Matthew Rosenberg has always done a really good job of twisting things in a way that I never thought of. Um, there's the obvious, the Joker's worst nightmare is Batman is gone, but it goes so much beyond that. There's like little touches in this. Like uh, if y'all don't remember Joker is working for Wayne enterprises now and then in and there's a bit about how hr has told him multiple times to stop making jokes and i love that because it's the joker and that is a little bit of a nightmare for him isn't it that's just one of those little niggling things that would get under his skin um i like the appearance of the other the other villains i love this dream bruce wayne that's just absolutely disturbing um and i love and i'm just gonna say this because Batman is dead in this nightmare. I love the new Batman and the way they did that. When he when that happened, I was like, brilliant. That was the thing that sold me. I was like, absolutely brilliant. That is like that was what takes elevating the Joker is sad because Batman's gone cliche and elevated it to just an amazing point. I really liked it. What a great idea. Um, so yeah, this is probably my favorite Joker book ever. Like Joker centric book. I loved it. It was it was really good. It was concise. It was two book or two issues, and it told a really interesting, compelling story that made me actually give a shit about who the Joker is. So well done. I loved it. <laughs> and after that is Night Terror's Poison Ivy number two. This one was uh written by G. Willow Wilson. Of course, I didn't have the credits up. Okay. Yeah, written by G. Willow Wilson, uh, pencils by Atagon El Han, inked by Mark Morales, colors by Reef Prianto, and letter by Hassan Atsmani El Hau. Um, I I really like this one because the art is terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying art. In a different way than the Poison Ivy normal art is, which is also terrifying. Um uh, yeah, it's just creepy and I can't explain it to you. You have to see it for yourself. But some of it is just downright unsettling in a great way. Again, this is Night Terrors. We're talking about nightmares. So it, it really 
it adds a lot to it. I'm really loving the development of this connection. I don't want to use relationship, but connection between Ivy and Janet, especially with everything going on with Ivy and Harley. It's going to be a very interesting arc and a very interesting uh, conflict, a potential conflict. I think it's fertile ground for something that is going to be very uh, captivating going on. So, um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy this one quite a bit. Um, I will just say dream Robin is absolutely terrifying. That face is just the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. Um, great stuff. Really, really good. Very much enjoyed it. <laughs> and then finally, my last DC book of the week is night terrors ravager. Number two. Uh, I said it last issue. I'm a huge ravager fan. I love Rose, one of my favorite Titans adjacent characters. And the fact that she got her own book in this crossover, I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. What are they going to do? What's the what's the point of this? Like, you don't give a character like Ravager a book just because. Uh, this is written by Ed Brisson, art by Dexter Soy, uh, colors by Veronica Candini, and letter by Troy Pateri. This definitely sets up something in the future, and I really enjoy it. So this is one I'm not going to spoil too much of. Uh, I did talk about the last issue where she's had to fight a kind of dark shadow version of herself. That does continue here, but it's not necessarily just a fight. She 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 doesn't. It's not just a beat em up, is what I'll say. Uh, you'll have to read it to figure out what I mean by that. Um, but it's really really good, and it definitely has. Yeah, it definitely has future potential. Something is coming from this. And I think it's really, really cool. And I like to I like that we're checking in with Ravager after everything that happened with her father recently. Um, she's a great character and really deserves it. And I'll say it last I said it last time, I'll say it again. She should be on the Titans right now. Just throwing that out there. She should be one of the Titans. But yeah, great book. And we'll check in next week with Night Terror some more. And our final publisher of the week is, of course, Marvel. Start with Moon Knight 26, written by Jed McKay, uh, art by Federico Sabatini, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Travis Lanham. I should mention that there is going to be several pages in several issues this week by Jonathan Hickman. I'm not going to call them each out one by one, um, but they're there to tease the book gods, which I'm very excited about. So I want to give them a shout out here. I might remember to bring them up as I go, but we'll see. This issue was very interesting. Um, and I think a well, a, a very much needed issue, which is a story focusing on Hunter's moon. Um, and it wasn't just, it didn't just serve the purpose of giving background for him. Although it did that very, very well. It also started to talk about the idea of what's wrong with Konshu and, the idea that you know maybe the fists aren't going to be able to be brought back anymore and why and it also did something that kind of differentiates hunter's moon a little bit further from moon knight and it does it in a really compelling way that i think is just so cool like i'm really excited to see what comes of this um yeah uh not a lot to talk about beyond that uh, i do i do like that he uh was helping the mole people um in the story because they're also travelers by night, you know, and they live underground. And I do like that. He doesn't make that distinction. And I thought that was just really interesting. Um, and the story of the first fist of Quan Shu was really good too. So 
yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I, I love all Moon Knight right now, so you can't really beat it. <laughs> Next up is uh, Scarlet Witch number seven, uh, written by Steve Orlando, art by Lorenzo Tometa and Sarah Pacelli, uh, color by Frank William, and letter by Corey Petit. I spoke earlier when I talked about uh, John Kent about how much it bothers me when people are just critical and they obviously don't understand what they're talking about. And I have to give Steve Orlando all the credit in the world because he had way too much patience with people about this book. I would not have been able to handle these people (laughs) like he did. So kudos to you, Steve. I, I love this book. I really enjoy it. I'm not nitpicking it for power levels. Like it's an episode of dragon ball Z. Um, it's just a well-told, interesting story with one of the best hooks in comics, some of the best art in comics, and just the freedom to do just crazy shit. And I don't know what people want beyond that. Just let it be. Just enjoy it. What is wrong with people? Okay, I'm not going to get into another rant. Anyways, um, this is timed really well after the fall or after the Hellfire Gala we do know that the big thing was that who appeared to be Magneto showed up at Wanda's door. And it turns out it's not Magneto. It's his younger clone, Joseph, who has a very complicated relationship with the X-Men. I love the idea of her getting to know Joseph. I love the idea of doing something with Joseph. I think that's really cool. Um, Also, I mean, I love Darcy. So her flirting her being attracted to Joseph is obviously amazing. I also kind of want to see Pietro show back up and be like, what the fuck is he doing here? Like, there's a lot of things that could happen here. And it's really cool. And in the middle of all this, there's also an adventure where Wanda goes to the Wizard of Oz. And (laughs) I'm not going to spoil anything. I love it. I'm a huge Oz fan. Um, I remember I spoke with David Popose about this a while ago, about how Oz is just this really interesting thing and how there's so much deep lore that people don't realize because maybe they've only seen the movie or read the first book. Um, it's just really cool. It's really well done. And it also shows a different angle on the kind of people that can come through the door for help. That maybe they're not always these good altruistic people. So I thought this was great. I, I hope we get more of this book because it's been one of my favorite Marvel books of the year. And people need to start buying this book. And I swear to God, if I see another person being like, but Wanda was less powerful than I'm just going to punch you. Just shut up. <laughs> just read the book and enjoy it. Moving on. Next up is Fantastic Four number 10. Uh, written by Ryan North. Uh, art by Alejandro Fernandez. Colored by Jesus Abertov. And letter by Joe Carmagna. I'm not going to give a full summary of this issue because it's it's the journey. <laughs> it sounds lame, but this issue is the journey. And so I recommend you read it yourself. Um it has to do with with the Fantastic Four as a as an icon, as the impact they can have. Um, if you ever watch a sci fi show like uh, you know the Orville or Star Trek or something like that, they will never really have an episode that's similar to this. And that's what I loved about it is is like yes, this is a sci fi trope to a point, but it's so good, and it's told in a very Fantastic Four kind of way. So I I. I loved it. It was a really cool mystery. It was a really cool, like creepy factor to it, but still decidedly fantastic for. So 
I recommend reading it. Everything Ryan North has done with Fantastic Four since he's taken over has been amazing. So I always recommend it, but this one especially. Now we're going to talk a little bit about a magic book, uh, Doctor Strange number six. And I'm just realizing I should have put Scarlet Witch before Doctor Strange to get a little synergy, but here I am. Uh, written by Jed McKay, drawn by Juan Gideon, colored by KJ Diaz, and lettered by Corey Petit. Um, we have the big reveal last issue of the alternate version of Doctor Strange. This grizzled, tortured version. And it obviously seems like that's about to be the conflict. Well, we take a whole issue here just to explore who this character is. And it's so fucking good, guys. Like, it's just really, really interesting. Um, it's a really grim in just an amazing way. And like, I, I just, I, I don't know what to say about it because I'm not spoiling anything. I just love it. I absolutely love it. And it really makes me excited for the future of this villain or this antagonist, I should say, of how he got to where he is and what he had to suffer through that Steven didn't. Uh, yeah, it's just really, really good. I also just want to say I love the amazing coincidence. And I'm saying coincidence. This isn't sarcasm of two properties. I love Dr. Strange and Dr. Who both being about people named Dr. Who had a wartime version of themselves that shows up eventually. Love that shit. War Doctor for life. So great book. Definitely check it out. And transitioning from magic to Spider-Man a bit. We're going to talk about Strange Academy. Miles Morales. Now, it's no surprise that me and Josue fucking love Strange Academy. I think it's one of the coolest properties Marvel owns, and it's definitely the one they don't use the most, that they underuse the most, I should say. So, written by Carlos Hernandez, art by Juan Cabal, Alvaro Lopez, and Joy Villanova, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. This is the first of three part crossover with Strange Academy, uh, some members of Strange Academy going to marvels in new york city and running into various heroes this one miles morales the characters featured here are doyle shaley gus herman and toth and you know that Josue loves it i've already heard from him about this book uh because he fucking loves himself some toth and he also really likes herman and shaley basically everybody in this now i think about it one of the things i love is that uh gus now has a uh Pim rig, Pim particle rig, so he can be normal size, or he can be really tiny and right on Toth's shoulder, which is even better. Um, and basically, it's just a fun book. It's just a really fun book that I had a great time to reading. Um, there is also a guest appearance by a very naked Thor, which is excellent. Um, there is also um, basically. <laughs> The most powerful magic of all, math. It's about math, people. It's a comic book about math. Why aren't you reading it already? Isn't that enough for you? Go read it. It's about math. It's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, more Strange Academy forever, please. I want a Strange Academy video game. How great would that be? Persona 5, but Strange Academy. Is anyone listening? Please, give it to me now. And next up, my other Spidey book of the week is Amazing Spider-Man Annual. 2023 written by erica schultz art by julian shaw colored by andrew dollhouse and letter by joe car magna this is a follow-up to the hollow's eve mini which was so good and we need more hollow's eve she's just so good this is her trying to break ben out of limbo and 
it's so interesting because I I do feel for her and I feel like I want her to be happy, but at the same time, I really feel like this is what Ben needs. And so it's just as this really interesting like conflict in me about them. And so obviously it doesn't succeed. Uh, we see Maddie address it directly. We also get a few teases about a bunch of refugees from Krakoa. So tying more into the fall of X stuff. So, and probably into the dark X-Men book actually, but I really like this and it definitely sets up something, maybe not something further, but it maintains this coldness between Hollow's Eve and Peter in a way that will definitely probably pay off later on. So uh, really, really well told and it is an excellent next step in the story of Hollow's Eve. So, and that takes us to our X-Men books. Let's head over to the island of Krakoa because it still exists to me, damn it, and talk about Magneto number one. Uh, this is a flashback tale, and we've been in a couple of them lately, but I really like this one. I, it just hit me a little differently. Written by J.M. Demetrius, art by Todd Nock, uh, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Travis Lanham. Maybe it's because this is when I started reading comics, this like almost exact era. But it is about the time where Magneto was the headmaster of Xavier's school and was teaching the New Mutants. And basically him dealing with the fact of his past as an evil mutant versus teaching these young good mutants. And, you know, the obvious conflicts there and how the kids can see him differently and say, this isn't, you know, like, how can you say this to us when you were this terrorist? And it's just really interesting. Um, it has a great uh, spotlight on Wolfsbane, who is one of my favorite New Mutants. Um, I, when I was young, I had a crush on Wolfsbane. I always thought she was super cute. And it's probably the accent. but um, And some great, you know, villainous uh, cameos, too, as well. I, I just really enjoy it. And I want to see where it goes, because it seems like a cool, unique story. And it definitely seems like something with some weight to it. Some of these flashback tales don't really feel like they matter. Don't feel like they need to exist. This one definitely, I think, has a point, and I think it's going to be interesting, especially with Magneto not being alive at the moment. So, Now let's talk about the actual Krakoan books, X-Men 25. Fuck. <laughs> so, um, this is heavy, man. Like, a lot's been going on in this book, and I'm just devastated. So... As someone like me who just loved the idea of Krakoa and absolutely love Krakoa and is mourning Krakoa to this day, seeing the X-Men, what's left of the X-Men, come together, and maybe not the most unified, maybe not the most like um, organized, but resisting. And that's been the word, right? Resist. And... It's just great. So let's run on the creative team. Written by Gary Dugan, art by Stefano Caselli, colored by Marte Gracia, letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, we get to see the X-Men resistance movement. And I really, really enjoy this. Um, characters that definitely should get a spotlight, getting a spotlight. Um, I'm a huge Kitty Pride fan, as most people know who watch the show or listen to the show. Um, so Kitty gets a, a huge spotlight, which I really enjoyed. Um, obviously Everett is basically the leader of the X-Men. Now we get a cool scene with Cyclops who has been captured. Um, we get some stuff with Kamala Khan. We get some stuff with Emma. Like there's a lot going on in this issue, but it's so well done. And we get to see the new viciousness of Kitty or not new, 
because those who know Kitty of old know this is something she has always been capable of, but just doesn't do. And now this is the point they've pushed her to, which is a really compelling story. So um, I'm very excited for this next era. I'm just hoping it ends with Krakoa coming back because I love it too much. So yeah. That brings me to our final book of the week, which is Astonishing Iceman number one. Uh, once again, written by Steve Orlando, doing double duty this week and killing it both times. Art by Vincenzo Caratu, colored by Hava Tartaglia, and letter by Travis Lanham. Uh, we find out how Bobby survived the mutant massacre, and it, it's satisfactory. I know some people are going to be like, meh, well, I don't care. Uh, but um, I love it. I think Bobby is a cool, compelling character. It's a character I have a complicated history with, uh, but somebody that I just truly, generally love. Um, and I already like where this is going. I like that we're embracing this power level. I like that he is just a thorn in Orcus's side this entire time. And I think we're setting a tone of basically this resistance movement of X-Men and all these books are going to be about just basically what Orcus did to the X-Men to set up the, the Hellfire Gala, just attacking them from every angle and picking at them. Well, now it's the X-Men's turn and that's what they're going to be doing. And I love that. I think it's so cool because the X-Men, as much as I love Krakoa should be underdogs. That's, that's the key. They've always going to be a little bit, uh, oppressed which is unfortunate you know given that the the comparisons for the x-men um you know as as a, a queer man myself you know it's important to me that the x-men be treated you know well and not completely oppressed and hopeless it, it, it gives you hope when you see them succeed if you are someone who is not from a traditional um background race gender sexuality whatever and so this is a like one of the iconic ones of it it's Iceman, you know he's insanely powerful he is a gay man himself and he's just he's never been taken seriously until recently and it's so great to see that happen so uh, i'm all for this i cannot wait for the rest of these x books i think they're going to be amazing and that's all the books i got this week i did want to go ahead and mention i went shopping uh, in Washington, D.C., while I'm in Virginia, I went into D.C. on the day that the entire place almost blew away in a storm. Uh, but I did get some, get to pick up some books. Uh, so I wanted to go ahead and just quickly pass it on. I picked up The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. That is off a recommendation of Ben Khan and uh, my buddy J.D. Um, also, J.D.'s mom is is in the hospital or is, is ill right now. So best of luck, J.D. Uh, I'm with you, buddy. Uh, if you need anything, let me know. Um, I also picked up Rockstar and Softboy Go to Space, which I loved the first book and did not know this one came out. So I'm very excited about that. And I also picked up a book from Stephanie Phillips, Julia Lal Lally, excuse me, and Lee Luffridge, which is Eight Limbs. And it's about Muay Thai. Um, it's funny because I picked it up at the store on Saturday and the young girl's like, oh, are you going to be for the signing tomorrow? I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, we're doing a signing for this book tomorrow with Stephanie. I'm like, no, I'm not in town tomorrow. And I was like, man, I should have came in on Sunday. And I was annoyed with myself. But I still picked up the book. And uh, very, very excited to reach, read each and every one of those. And the final book I picked up this week was the Marvel, Marvel Multiverse Tabletop RPG book, the full version. And I'm very excited to be running some games. I already have a storyline in mind. 
and it's Kirkoan based. So if anyone out there is still listening and wants to play a game, let me know. We'll talk. With that said, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check me out on Twitter. You can find the show at WHI Podcast. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Make sure to check out our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That is our musical playlist building show, which is currently on hiatus, but you can go back and listen to the old episodes. Um, particularly listen to our end of the year awards and our pride episodes. We, uh, well, we have a lot of pride in them. <laughs> like they're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun with so many special guests. So make sure to check that, that out again, once again, at Jukebox Vertigo. Also, you can find Josue on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue. Uh, I think he's going to be getting him back into the idea of, of streaming a bit. Uh, hopefully soon. I know he's very busy, so that's why he hasn't been around. But make sure to follow him at Josue Plays Josue. I know it means the world to him to see people uh, following him there. So make sure to do that. And then finally, make sure to follow Certain POV. This is the network that Jukebox Vertigo is under and covered in amazing podcasts that I can't recommend enough for each and every person out there. There's something for you, I promise. And I probably guest start on it at some point. So they're on Twitter at Certain POV Media. There's also a link to a Discord there. And to be honest, the best way to find me is to probably go to that Discord because I check it all day long. Those are the issues that we had this week. Uh... Don't forget to backboard and box your new books. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? what? That's... No, that's not... Can I call them screen beans now? Fine. Screen beans! So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole screen beans now. You will be mine.